0: Hi, this is Dr. Michael Greenberg on the road for Reach MDX M157, the channel for medical professionals. And today I'm in Philadelphia, continuing my visit to the Muter Museum with my guide, the curator, Anna Doty. We're exploring how a visit here allows us to actually see things that up to now were only pictures in our textbooks. Now, now, we're over on the other side of the room here and I see a heart in a jar. I see a few hearts. You see Enough a few vessels. hearts in
1: a jar. Now, this is a specially injected heart. They've really highlighted the vasculature around the heart and rendered part of the heart translucent.
0: Now, this reminds me somewhat of the specimens in Body Works. I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Yes. And uh, I won't ask you to comment on how you feel about it, but it's kind of that type of specimen. Mm-hmm.
1: We are the protoplastinization museum. Everything we have here, like I said, most of our objects are over 100 years old. Now, you see right to my right here, These are desiccated bodies. They're also injected with some wax to highlight the vascular structures. The heart is still intact. These are some of our wonderful wax models here. Yes, now this was made by the Tremond in Paris. The two main producers were Tremond of Paris and Town of London.
0: And doctors studied these when they probably couldn't get to all the diseases of the cadavers like this. I mean, they're fabulous. The wax models, if doctors have never seen them, look almost like living flesh, like you yes. can touch them.
1: That was the intent. Now, you'll see here we have wet specimens. Now, those are our specimens. They're real human biological material, and they're placed in a preserving solution. And they're wonderful in the sense that they are the actual organ or the part, but the problem with putting them in a preserving solution is you'll see, like for instance, this myosarcoma right here, that it bleaches the specimen. So you don't get an accurate idea of color. And since they're in this container, you don't really get an accurate feel or idea of the texture. The wax models really aim to give you a sense of color and texture that the wet specimens can't. We have such a variety of objects because to teach medicine, again, before photographs before the high-tech 3D imaging that we have today, you really only had the actual bodies, what you could preserve from the body, so these wet specimens, these dried specimens, and then you had to manufacture these wax models. We also have paper mache models to kind of round out the experience.
0: Well I think this is fascinating for physicians to see as, mm-hmm. as a physician. I understand the anatomy, I see it, and even my experience in medical school with dissection was nothing like this. The, mm-hmm. the cadavers were all gray and shriveled up. It almost looks like you've got a living form here, but there's no bleeders to tie off.
1: Yes, it has a very fresh feeling to it, and you can see the face is in wonderful condition as well. And He's
0: how old are these models?
1: Um about 150 years old.
0: And the colors have not faded?
1: The colors have not faded. That's the beauty of wax. If you just give it, you know, good temperature, you don't obviously want it to get too hot. You don't want it to get too Cold or brittle, it's a very long lasting.
0: Well, when we talk about wax models, yes. these models, we're not talking about candle wax. It's a mixture of beeswax and something else. The
1: paraffin. Paraffin, it's but it's, it's actually hard. It's, it is hard. You can touch it. Yes. You, I, well, <laughs> yes, You could touch you it. You could touch it. Yes, absolutely. And you can see just the delicate nerves there along the neck. It's so detailed, and the amount of craftsmanship and skill that went into these. Is really astounding.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Well, let's move on from All here. Right. Well, now we're in front of a case with a plaster model, which everybody would recognize who knows modern culture. And this is Chang and Eng, the most famous Siamese twins.
1: Right. This is where the term Siamese twin came from. Actually, is this a
0: living cast? or?
1: This is a death cast. And threat. actually, if you look carefully along the abdomen, you'll see the autopsy incisions here sewed up. Now, Barnum and Bailey coined the term Siamese twins because Chang and Eng Bunker were born in Siam. And they actually toured with Barnum & Bailey for many years on this circus tour they made themselves available to be seen. What a lot of people don't know about Chang & Ang is that they actually retired from the circus profession. They bought adjoining farms in Manary, North Carolina. They married sisters and believe it or not, they had 21 children between them.
0: I have heard that. Very interesting. The descendants
1: of which are actually still in contact with us to this day
0: truly stretches the limits of brotherly love here in Philadelphia, doesn't it? Well, that's
1: what I say is the exact details of that and not part of the tour. I leave it up to the imagination.
0: Fascinating. And how did you get this cast?
1: Well, actually, what happened was Chang and Ang died in, in 1874. First, Chang died first. We think he probably died of something along the lines of a stroke, although they weren't able to verify that. But Aang died a few hours later. His death was listed as a syncope or a quote fright, which of course now we don't think that happened. What probably happened is we did know before they died that they shared a blood supply. Interestingly enough, they determined that by giving one twin asparagus and testing the other one's urine. Very low tech, but very effective. So we did know that they shared a blood supply. So Chang died. A couple hours later, Aang did die, probably as the result of some sort of clot from his brother's blood passing into his system. The twins did actually have a contingency in effect where if one twin died, they were to summon a doctor to have an emergency separation. However, it was a dark and stormy night. There were no Land Rovers back then. The doctor could not make it in time, and Ang did pass away. Now, interestingly enough, even though they died in North Carolina, their autopsies were performed here at the College of Physicians. There was arrangements made between Chang and Ang's doctors and the doctors here at the College of Physicians. Their bodies were brought up to Philadelphia, and the autopsy was performed. Now you can see along the incision line here that they did not sever the ties. The twins also said if they were to die together, they were to remain together. And the physicians, of course, did honor that. What they did find that was unique is that they actually had conjoined livers.
0: And they they did here. not know that
1: at the time. Yes, the livers are, are right below the casts in a brand new container that I've put them in. I just think it's beautiful. Now, interestingly enough, it's hard to see here, but one liver is larger and a bit cirrhotic, that's Chang's, he liked his beverages. Aang was a teetotaler.
0: And they shared a blood supply, but only, they one, became supply, but That's only interesting. one became cirrhotic, They shared a
1: blood only one became yeah. They had very different personalities. Just because you're conjoined does not mean you're the same person, of course. So like I said, Chang liked to drink, Aang was a teetotaler, but Aang liked to stay late up late at night playing poker. So they had a system where they'd spend a couple of days at one brother's farm and a couple days at another brother's farm, and it seemed to work out for them.
0: So when Chang drank, did Aang uh, get high?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I think most of it was filtered out through Chang's liver, as you can see here.
0: So, yeah. Thanks. If you've just tuned in, you're on the road with me, your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. And we're on tour in Philadelphia with Anna Doty, the curator of the disturbingly informative Muter Museum.
1: Now, this is our Tartology section. And, of course, that's the Latin for the word monster. And unfortunately, this is how these children, these specimens, of course, were viewed back in the day. What we have here is a lot of um, what we call neural tube defects, and again, it's very rare to see a full-term fetus with anencephaly or with acrania or acardia, exencephaly, or this severe spina bifida, and this is what we have here.
0: See, this is, I can't say it's fabulous because it's tragedies for the families that have these children. Mm But it's, once again, an opportunity to see things that you wouldn't see otherwise.
1: Exactly, exactly. With the advent of sonograms and amniocentesis, things like this, it's not unheard of, but it's very rare to see something full-term.
0: I am very proud of myself as a dermatologist because from across the room I said, that looks like a pig, and it is. (laughs) It is a a pig. pig. It's a fetal
1: pig with cyclopia, you know. So that's not just a normal fetal pig.
0: I was proud of myself for making that (laughs) diagnosis. Yes. You have a website, are there any images available for people to study online?
1: Yes, we actually have a rights and reproductions coordinator who works with scholars, works with artists, works with people who would like to have images of our specimens. We're very careful about how many we let go, who do they go to. Of course, researchers who have a publication that specifically deals with one of our images, we do make that available.
0: We've entered a new room here, and tell us about this one.
1: This is our newest gallery. It's called the Warden Gallery. It's dedicated to Gretchen Warden, who was our former director and curator who passed away in 2004. And this was opened in 2005, but it wasn't until recently that we really finished it in terms of now we have fiber optic lighting. We have all new labels with interpretations. The cabinets are the original cabinets, but they were refurbished. In fact, if you look kind of sideways at the cabinets, you'll see some warping on the glass. That's because it's original 100-plus-year-old glass.
0: What is this, the three blind mice over here?
1: Yes, actually four.
0: Four blind rats?
1: Yeah. Now, this is a gallery that we originally envisioned as a wet specimen open storage display. We have in excess of 1,200 wet specimens, and we really have to keep and monitor them and make sure they're in good condition, the fluid levels are stable. And what we decided to do here when we had this new gallery space is we decided to call it a body of parts. And what it is is it's just a way to come in and look at the human body piece by piece. So you walk in, and you turn to your left, and it literally goes from the head down. So you have neurology, otolaryngology, cardiopulmonary, gastroenterology, female reproductive, male reproductive nephrology, proctology, and extremities. And then the middle section is just stuff I liked.
0: Now, what I understand about Gretchen Warden was Mm -hmm. she was like someone phenomenal in the museum She
1: was not just in the museum world, but in the medical field as well. She was here for 30 years. And she really is the one that put this museum on the map. When she first started working here, it was almost 100% medical professionals and maybe a few hundred visitors a year. Mm-hmm. By the time she finished her tenure, unfortunately, when she passed away, we had over 60,000 visitors a year. And that was due to her really getting the word out, just being this wonderful, charismatic entity that really made the Muter Museum so popular.
0: So since we can't show all of our listeners all these body a tour through the body... Right let's get to the rats what are they doing here
1: well of course animals dogs rats were also very important in the medical training of course and what we have is just like this middle section here is just kind of a miscellaneous area where we put stuff that's just interesting that people might find interesting to look at so these are 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 eviscerated rats that were used in dissection
0: oh they're the ones who didn't make it through the maze right
1: yes well you know you have to do something with those slow learners. Of course, you know, rats, mice, they're still used in pharmaceutical research and they play an important role. Surgeons would often operate on dogs many years ago to try and perfect certain techniques. We have very few, relatively speaking, very few animal specimens. Almost everything we have is human, but we thought the rats were kind of interesting and so we thought we'd put them on display.
0: And this huge stone down here is well, it's interesting. world's largest golf stone.
1: <laughs> It's actually an ovarian cyst. It's dried and stuffed now with like a straw or horsehair, but that was a ovarian cyst, and I believe at the time of extraction it was about 70 or 80 pounds.
0: It's about a foot and a half by a foot and a half. It's huge. It looks like a footstool.
1: Little mysteries here. We have not one, but two sets of conjoined twins. Now, these are thoracopagus conjoined twins. They're conjoined mostly at the thorax. You can call them dicephalic, bicephalic. Now, you'll notice here, very interesting, one has a cleft palate, one doesn't. Mm -hmm.
0: Why the cleft palate on one? Exactly.
1: Why does one have a cleft palate and one doesn't? Because you would think they're identical twins, right? Same thing with the one down below here. One cleft palate, one normal palate.
0: Now, I know we're taking kind of an audio tour where people can't see things, Mm -hmm. but what I need to point out to our listeners is as I'm looking at these cases, there is an abundance of the most amazing specimens that we're not even talking about so just many, so everywhere many. it's an embarrassment of riches
1: <laughs> well to kind of give this you know audio visual frame of reference this room itself is about 720 square feet and in this we're having about 300 specimens so if you can imagine that again that artifact to square foot ratio it's extremely high so we estimate that if someone were to come in here and take their time and read most of the labels, even though we're a small museum, it would take you over three hours.
0: Thanks for joining us on the road today from Philadelphia at the Muter Museum with our guest, Anna Doty, its curator, who has shown us not simply an interesting museum of the dead, but a living institution of medical education. Reach MDXM 157 is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where our newly redecorated website, with its on-demand and podcast features, will allow you to access our entire program library, including this show. Register on the website and enter promo code RADIO for six months of free podcasts, and we thank you for listening.